when we invest our time or our money, we want to know if it's worth it. Are we getting a good return for our investment? Brother Harold is a gospel worker in Central Asia. He says when you invest in sharing the gospel in the hard places, you don't always get to see immediate results. If bang for your buck and short-term return on your investment is the only metric you have, you will never go to the hard places because it's going to take years. It's going to be difficult. It's going to cost money. It's going to cost lives. We'll lose people. But that's what it's going to take to go to those parts of the world. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, with one of our one-name guests. We're just going to call him Brother Harold. Brother Harold is a gospel worker in Central Asia for the last 15 years. He is now transitioning into a role mobilizing American Christians to serve in missions, and not just American Christians, but other Christians as well, to be involved in missions. He has been a guest here before on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, so if you go to vomradio.net, you can put Harold in the search bar and pull up that interview. And in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I will share that Harold and I are related. We both married wonderful women from the same godly family tree, and we are very thankful to be a part of that family. Harold, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. It's good to be here. And I absolutely agree with your assessment on our wives. (laughs) That that is true. We, uh, We both did well in that department. Let's talk about Central Asia, because you, you've been serving there for the last 15 years. Where are we at persecution-wise? And I know that's a broad question, and it's a big region, but give us kind of a sense of, of where we're at. And then also, is that different from how it was 15 years ago when you got there, or is it pretty much not changed? You know, when we first went overseas early on to Central Asia, the church was just starting and it was taking off. You know, you had the collapse of the Soviet Union and that opened up a lot of doors and a lot of things happened. And so uh, we were able to see an initial just huge rise in the amount of uh, believers and people coming to faith. And it was a great thing. Um, And then in recent years, though, we've seen it kind of level off there a bit. So what is the level of openness among the people that that you encounter in Central Asia? And... uh, kind of part of that question, how Muslim are they, if I can say it that way? Are they really committed to the tenets of Islam and really wanting to follow the Prophet Muhammad? Or are they, you know, hey, I was born in a Muslim family, so of course I'm a Muslim. Which is it? The majority would be the the latter. I was born in a Muslim family, so of course I'm Muslim. For the majority of them, it is a very a folk a folk Islam. It, it's just what they know and what they what they've experienced all their lives. Many of them don't know the tenets of the Quran and, and all the things, but yet it's their identity. It's who they are. It's an interesting story. Recently, we we um, talked with a believer who is from Central Asia, native to that, and she was telling us we were talking about evangelism, and she said, "You have to imagine." or understand when you come here and you talk to us and you tell us about this Jesus person, you're telling us to follow something 
that goes against everything we've ever heard and ever learned our entire lives. So how do you break through that? We've just lived there. We've engaged with the people. We've loved the people. And, and as you come and you live and you minister among them, you live with them. You know, our children were born there. They start asking questions. Why do you do things this way? Why do you do things that way? And as we continue to love them, it opens up the opportunity to say, well, we do this because we follow Jesus, and he, he teaches us to do this, to love others and to, to love God. And, and when they see that, they begin to understand, oh, that's what a real relationship is. And when you demonstrate that and show that to people through the years, they are impacted by that and begin become more open to hearing what you have to say. I like it that you said through the years. That's not a stand on a street corner and, and you know, <laughs> Unfortunately, convert no. hundreds of people in, in one afternoon. It is years. What does that mean as far as recruiting workers? Great question. You know, in today's world, it's changing. And and today, you can be around the world in any place in 24 hours. You can go. And that's great. And I think we need to take advantage of that. And how can we use media, use the resources we have available to continue to present the love of Jesus in those ways? But at the same time, you're never going to lose the reality that you need to have a relationship, a one-on-one. And that means some people are going to have to go and live in these places for a long time, for long years, and to build relationships and to share the love of Jesus by their everyday actions. It's just so impactful to know that when you live in a world where 0.01% of the population are believers, the reality is that most people I come in contact with, I'm the only Christian they may ever meet their entire life. And as foreigners living in this part of the world, you're in a fishbowl. So everything we do and say reflects Christ. And so we we want to be very deliberate in how we live our life. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Harold. He has served for the last 15 years in Central Asia, now transitioning into a role mobilizing American Christians. Harold, as you talk about that mindset, I think that's useful for American Christians too, not not just those who live in Central Asia, but, but all of us should be thinking about, okay— in this conversation, in this encounter, how am I being the light? How am I spreading the fragrance of Christ? I think the New Testament talks about. You are taking on a different role now, helping Americans sense God's call to missions. And uh, this is something that I'm passionate about growing up as a missionary kid and something I hope God uses Voice of the Martyrs Radio to do is, is grow people's passions to reach out, to reach out to the nations. What are you most excited about as you step into this new role? Well, for me, my passion is seeing the unreached around the world reach, to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so for me to be able to come back to North America, to travel, to share, to cast vision for what God is doing around the world and how people can be involved, I love that. And I love seeing when people realize that, wow, the the, the God of all things, the creator of everything, a king of kings, lord of lords, wants to use them to accomplish something. That's really cool. Personally, I, I got saved later in life and had different up, upbringing and, and uh, just wasn't living a godly life and then come to a point where not only am I saved and redeemed and living a part of the family of God now, but he wants to use me to accomplish this great thing. That's just overwhelmingly cool. And so I love being able to cast that and share that with other people and see how they can be fulfilled in what God wants to use them for in their life. Are there any parts of the new job that scare you? 
Well, you know, just uh, the, re- the reality is the trends in mission are going down. We are sending more and more missionaries across the board. Less and less are going, and even less are going to the parts of the world where we really need to get people. Today, there are over 3 billion people unreached. And I know that term unreached gets yeah, used a, a lot. talk a little bit about that. What, what does that mean? Yeah, um, the, the general understanding of, or in the evangelical world, the general accepted definition is that it's a group of indigenous people group that do not have enough indigenous resources to evangelize themselves. So in other words, unless someone from the outside comes in, they will not be able to do it. Numbers-wise, we look at less than 2% are evangelical or less than 5% are Christian adherents. And so... I, to be honest, I'm completely baffled and, and a bit ashamed even that in the year 2018, with all that we have, there are still places in around the world today where people have not heard the name of Jesus. And it, it breaks my heart to think that. You know, Acts 1.8, very clear. Go, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Sometimes I think we read that verse and we read Jerusalem then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. <laughs> but that's not what it says. It says, and. So absolutely, we need to be engaging right here in our North American churches and homes. Every one of us should be doing that. But at the same time, there's also other places. And it's a both and. We need, somebody needs to go overseas. I don't think God has stopped calling. So why are we seeing less and less go? And so for me, just to, to, to begin wrapping my mind around that is, okay, what is going on in missions? Why are we sending fewer and fewer? And how can we overcome that to, to break that barrier to see God's people going to the places around the world where people have never heard the name of Jesus? And what are some of the keys to, to doing that, to seeing that happen? I think there's a, there's a few things. One is we're just beginning to explore new pathways. What are new ways of doing missions? What are new ways? You know, we t- I talked earlier just uh, about the businesses. More and more people, businesses are global. So how can believers who, who have a job, a business, maybe they're a, an English teacher, maybe they're a doctor, maybe they're a businessman, how can they get employed and work somewhere overseas in these parts of the world? What a great opportunity to go and to do that. And you don't have to raise support. Yeah, and then you don't have to raise support. <laughs> Raising support is another big issue. Many people don't want to. And, and um, I I do think it's a shame that the churches in North America have, in some ways, you know, missionaries feel like beggars. And, and, and that's not how it should be, you know. You've got people lining up saying, I'm, I want to go. The church should get them there. But the, the, the reality is people are overwhelmed by the thought of raising money and raising support. Um, this is God's work. And, and the opportunity is there for people to be involved in that, whether it's giving or prayer. And so that needs to be addressed. Another, I think, exciting thing about this is seeing missionaries now coming from other places around the world. Latin America, for example, the church is there. We went 100 years ago and began planting churches. One of our first missionaries in uh, the country of Peru for the first 25 years did an English school because it was illegal to do evangelism. One of our first pastors 100 years ago, their, their family was poisoned by the village because they didn't want Christians there. Wow. And we forget about that because in the last 20 or 30 years, it's been harvest. The church has exploded and it's been amazing. And so I think the church in North America, when we think about missions now, it's all about harvest because that's what we've been doing for the last 20, 30 years. But we've forgotten the first 60 years it took of plowing, of sowing the seeds. And when you look at the unreached parts of the world, the Muslim world and those areas in the 1040 window, that's the season it's in. It's planting and sowing, and it's difficult. But now the churches in Latin America are beginning to send people. Uh, uh, one of the countries there has sent a couple of short-term teams and looking at sending their first long-term missionary to join us in, in the work in, in a Muslim country in Central Asia. And that's exciting to me. I believe it's a global 
commitment, a, a global together, the global church, we can reach the unreached. And the, the that excites me too, because there's some places you can go with a Central American passport that you can't go with an American Absolutely. passport. Absolutely. They don't want you there. Absolutely. Um, so we've got to spread that, that vision and spread that calling. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Harold. He has served for the last 15 years in Central Asia. One of the other things that, that I know is on your heart is, is how many missionaries go for one term and never go back. Yeah. How do we do a better job of of preparing people because we are sending them to the hard places. It, it is the hard season of plowing and, and hard work, and it's discouraging. So how do we better prepare them so that they go for longer periods of time? And I know I'm asking questions <laughs> that, that you'd love to know all the right, answers right. to. <laughs> so many of us are asking that question. How do we do that? And again, I think we, we see that across agencies. Mission agencies are, are asking these questions. And Part of it is the training piece. Um, there is a desire when God puts something in your heart, you want to do it yesterday. And you see people wanting to go. And, and so I would encourage people, don't bypass the training piece. And as we look at even at a global engagement, one of the things we have learned in North America well to do well is the training piece. And I think that's how we can partner with with Latin Americans, with Asians and others, we can bring that to the table. We, there, there's other things they bring that they can do much better. In Latin America, they, their community living the way they do family and the way they do life is so much better than our individualistic way when it comes to reaching Muslims. We can learn from them, but we can also bring to the table some way of doing training and preparation. Um, that is so key. We've got to continue to focus on that and do that. Others, I think, is just begin uh, painting the picture of what life is like. And the un- these places are unreached because they're hard. You know, it's hard to go there. <laughs> if it was easy, That's somebody right. would have gone. And there are places you just can't even get in the country, visa-wise. There are places that the living conditions are so difficult. And so really getting an understanding of what it's going to take to do that. And then, you know, to be honest, um, I think there is a need to just re- re-evaluate our theology of suffering and what that means. Just the other day, I was at a university and talking with young people and asked that question. They were studying suffering. I said, what is your theology of suffering? Because to be honest, in North America, we don't really have to if we don't want to. And I understand there are issues everywhere. I'm not trying to bash North America. I love the, <laughs> love the country, love the church. It's been great. But to really understand what does it mean to give everything to Jesus, to give everything, not a separate part of my life, but to give it all to him and have him be first and foremost even above family. That's a scary thing to say. What does that mean? Um, God doesn't call us to sacrifice our children on the altar. I get that. But when he calls us to give everything to him, that's a sacrifice of everything. That does include our family. So how do we balance that? And I think that's a question we as North Americans have to ask ourselves. Are we really prepared to do what it's going to take to live and to minister in these parts of the world? We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Harold. He has served for the last 15 years in Central Asia. Brother Harold, uh, we talk about you being in Central Asia for 15 years. Uh, your, your kids were born there, far away from grandparents. I think a lot of people would say, wow, what a great sacrifice you have made. I don't think you see it that way. Talk about the blessing that you've experienced. Yeah. For sure, it's 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 life. It's home. It's home for them, and, and the sacrifice is actually coming back. Uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting because 
to be honest, the, the decision to do this is one that we, as a family, we all voted no, <laughs> but then we all said we want to do what God wants us to do. And we believe without a doubt that God is saying in order to continue to move forward with the mission of seeing the unreached reached, my best play is to come and, and to share and cast a vision and to mobilize the church. And as a family, we all say we want to do that. But this is not home. This is, not, this is foreign to us. And so for us, living over there has always been a blessing. The decision to go, it, it, was, it was a no-brainer. God was directing, and we wanted to be a part of that, and we, we longed for that, and we loved that. Um, and so for us, that was a big part of it. This is actually coming back. was actually probably the first time in our lives where we're having to make a decision to follow God when it's not really what we want to do. It's more wow. out of obedience. But I understand that because some people, that's what they feel going overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to go through that same emotion. So I can relate. It's just the other direction. <laughs> um, but there are times in our life when God asks us to lay things on the altar to say, I'm going to put this first. And so going overseas at those times, and, and I think at the end of the day, when you get there and you and you see things, you do experience a blessing. You You see the world in a different way, you understand, I think you, you understand God a little bit more and understand, because it's not just one culture that is biblical. You know, Jesus came for the entire world and, and to see that and have ability to live in that, to experience that. Passages in the Bible become so much more clear and vivid. The wedding at Canaan, great example. You know, to run out of wine at a wedding. I don't know that it really sounds that big of a deal to us. In our part of the world, if you go to a wedding and they run out of food or um, drink or anything, the worst thing you can ever imagine. They would be shamed. They would be shunned. It would be horrible. And to, to see that and to say, oh, that's what was happening there with Jesus, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a bit different in understanding that. And so it's been a blessing. It's been a growing and so much growth and an opportunity just to become more and more intimate with Jesus. It's been so great and wouldn't change it for anything. So I'm a Christian listening to Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and I think God might be moving me in the direction of, of mission service, overseas gospel work. Give me some advice. What are the next steps? How should I think about this? How should I pray about it? Definitely um, be praying about it. I would, I would talk to your, your pastor. I would talk to your, your family members, if you're married, your spouse, or whatever, and just say, hey, I'm, I'm sensing this. I'm feeling this. And, and what I challenge people, just ask the question, Okay, God, am I willing to, to listen to you if you have something for me overseas? And and just, you might be shocked at the answer. But people, a lot of times, I think, don't even ask that question. They don't even consider that. But just take a moment right now and say, God, are you you asking me to consider this? And to talk to your spiritual people uh, in your lives who are your spiritual authorities. Go to the Word. Be praying about it. And then, if you still sense God is directing you in this are you a part of a denomination? Do you have a sending agency connected to your denomination? Are there other organizations? What part of the world is God giving you a, a, um, a burden on your heart for? You know, there are organizations that specific, focus specifically on different people groups in different parts of the world. So there's opportunities out there. But I think the first and foremost thing would just be to be open with God and be willing to hear what he has to say and then to talk openly with uh, spouses and your spiritual authority. Uh, one person told me, said, yeah, I had that. And I talked to my spouse and she just, her mouth dropped wide open and didn't say a word for a full five minutes. Uh, don't think she'd ever thought of that before. <laughs> Let me ask you a couple more questions as we finish up. Uh, have You've lived in a Muslim country the last 15 years. Have you ever felt like you were in danger or, or your safety was threatened either by being an American or especially by being a Christian in a Muslim nation? 
There was one moment, and I may have shared this last time, I don't remember now, but we were there when September 11th happened. And so we obviously, you know, we had television stations there that weren't, you know, the things they were reporting weren't anywhere near close to the truth. We had no idea what was going on. We just saw planes going to buildings and, and, you know, you hear about Muslims attacking. And so at that moment, it's, it's, you know, fear comes in. The reality was, you know, most of our friends, uh, you know, called us up. They felt so, they were, they were so apologetic and, and very loving and, and faithful and everything. But for me, it was about a week later. I was sitting at my barbershop, uh, the barbershop with the barber. A great guy. He's been cutting my hair for the last 15 years. I'm going to miss him probably the most coming here to America. But um, he went to do my neck, and he whipped out the straight edge, as he always does. And I looked in the mirror, and it hit me. There's a Muslim man with a straight edge about to go to my neck. And I just was thinking, oh, my goodness. And that fear kind of come. And, of course, nothing happened. It was fine. But I, later that day, I was going home on the bus and looking around at all the people there. And I was like, God, I can't live here if, if fear is going to be a part of my life. And uh, he took the fear, and I've never felt that, never felt fear. Majority of, of them are loving and caring, and, and their families, they're just like you and I trying to live a life. They just follow a different belief system, and they just don't have the truth. They don't have opportunity to even read about the truth. And so, um, so no, we, we, to be honest, um, maybe a little more fearful about our kids coming to North America, going to school <laughs> than they do there, uh, even when they weren't in local schools and the Muslim schools. So. Right. We always want to equip listeners to pray. How can we pray for the people of Central Asia, both the church, the believers, and for unbelievers? For the church, I would say that they would continue on and God would, would give them the endurance and the perseverance to continue moving forward and living life. It's tough. It's difficult. Um, many of them don't have jobs. Praying for jobs is a good way. They just can't provide for themselves. It's just so, it's tough to live. And when you've been, you know, separated from your family and communities as a, as a result of being a follower of Jesus, and the, and the believing community is so small yet and not able to sustain itself, it's just a tough life for them. They really face a lot of difficulties and pressures in life. And so just pray for them to endure and to not lose hope. For non-believers, we continue to pray that they would, the Holy Spirit would, would, would pierce their heart. We can do what we can, but at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit has to do a work. So we pray for dreams. We pray for visions that people would see that. And then they would have access to the scripture or a believer to help interpret that. How do we pray for missionaries serving overseas uh, you've been there. You've had the, the good times and the not-so-good times. How can we pray for missionaries? Sure, especially as you talk about the unreached. You know, the, it is a difficult place, and a lot of people do come home. So it, it is good to just pray for the, the perseverance and the willingness to endure. You have health issues. You have schooling issues, language difficulties, persecution, and not getting visas, and or having to work a different job in order to be in the country, and, and all these things. And so just life hardships are tough. And so we do pray for that. But then then just pray again for the opportunities to to be Jesus for the people, the opportunities to share, and that they would see fruit, that all the efforts, that God would just magnify them, bless them, and that we would begin to see the harvest, to see the fruit. I know uh, in talking with a lot of North American pastors and, and a lot of what we talk about now today is return on investment, bang for your buck. I get it. It's important. I understand that. We want to do that. But the reality is if bang for your buck and short-term return on your investment is the only metric you have, you will never go to the hard places because it's going to take years. It's going to be difficult. It's going to cost money. It's going to cost lives. We'll lose people. But that's what it's going to take to go to those parts of the world. And believe me, when the missionaries are in that part of the world and they've been there five years, 10 years, 
and there's just you know a handful of converts, no one is hurting more or aching more, longing more than those people on the field. It's not a matter of them not doing stuff and sitting around. They're engaging. They're working hard, but they're plowing a field that's full of hard rocks that have been embedded by the enemy for years and years. And so encourage them, support them, help them to to understand that they are loved and blessed. And we pray that we'll continue to see God working even in the midst of those situations. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Harold. He has served for 15 years in Central Asia in a Muslim country there and now transitioning to a North American role mobilizing people to go, to go to the hard places, to go to the unreached people of the world. Brother Harold, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for coming back and joining us again on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for having me. It's been great. If you're just joining us and you missed part of our conversation with Brother Harold, you can go to vomradio.net and listen to the whole conversation again. That website again, vomradio.net. I hope you'll be back with us next week. Our guest is going to be a church leader in Uganda. It's a country that's full of young people, a place where Islam is on the rise. We're going to hear how the gospel is providing hope to people in Uganda next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.